A recent Forbes article from November 11, 2019, has the following headline. Going International, How to Take Your Business to New Markets. So it left me wondering and trying to figure out, how do I explain how to go international? First of all, what is an international market? An international business refers to the trade of goods, services, technology, capital, and or knowledge across national borders and at global or transactional levels. It involves cross-border transactions of goods and services between two or more countries. So on this episode, I think it's time for us to talk to someone who knows how to go international. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. listeners welcome to another great episode of the black equity podcast i'm excited about this conversation we're going to actually get into a topic that we've never discussed before uh on the line we have courtney munford of the black chefs network courtney are you there yes sir i am welcome to black equity thank you for having me you're very welcome i i know we've uh been wanting to talk for quite some time so i'm excited that uh, our audience is going to get an opportunity to overhear uh, this conversation. Uh, for those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Well, I'm Courtney Mumford. I'm a self-titled solutionist and what I specialize in creating solutions for those who look like me. <laughs> um, Black Chefs Network is a platform created for African-American and minority culinary professionals and so what I have a tendency to do is create enterprises for disadvantaged members of certain communities, uh, mostly minorities, and then ultimately offer equity and ownership into these enterprises that I've created. I love it. You know, whenever I hear the word equity, I get excited. I get I, I, <laughs> something comes over me. Uh, so, OK, so you create these enterprises, you create opportunities for equity. Um, how do you do that? Well, how? First of all, before we get into how you do that, where did this come from? I always like to get to the root of a situation. When did you realize, hey, I create opportunities for equity uh, for people? Well, it began in 2015 and I would, you know, kind of correlate it with my own spiritual journey. 
And one thing is just realizing where we're at at this particular moment. Um, we fight for a lot of things that are completely irrelevant. And so one thing I noticed that, you know, even though you, you may fight if someone, you know, step on your shoes, step on your J's, but you won't fight for anything of integrity or moral values. And so I took that stance. I'm like, okay, they'll fight for it if it's theirs. So let me just create something and give them ownership so they can stand for something so that they won't fall for anything. Mm, I love it. You spitting gems already. <laughs> we only a couple of minutes in and the episode's basically over. So what I, <laughs> let's, let's tackle that. They will fight for it if it's theirs. I think that's yes. so profound. I think that's probably the, the name of this episode. They will fight for it if it's theirs. Why is that in your opinion? To me, it's, you know, we ha- honestly, it's, it's systematic. We were programmed um, and it's all by design and that we're programmed to fight for things that are irrelevant. You have people, and of course, I'm royal versed. I have common sense, book sense, but more importantly, I have street sense. So a lot of times, even when I go in the hood, you know, and talk to, you know, my friends that are there, you know, I witness other people fighting for sets. I'm like, bro, you don't even own this apartment complex. You don't own the projects. I said, but Mm -hmm. you think it's yours because that's where you were born. That's where you were raised. And we have to get out that mentality. It's all about assets at this point. So if I could teach you of how to go buy your own property, you will stand for it and won't allow gentrification to come in. If I can give you a company that you will stand for, you won't allow nobody to come in and take it from you. And so honestly, it's almost that we have to trick them to believe in themselves and provide them with the information and the opportunities. And it's no other way around it because everybody, I like to meet people where they are. And okay. so ultimately, I think that's why I found to be more successful. I, I get on your level and teach you. And so for those people, what, what is it like when you're working with someone and for the first time they realize, wait, I own this. How, what have you, as far as it's shifting? Uh, what is well, the mindset is, is, is hilarious because a lot of them think it's a scam. And I'm like, I haven't asked you for any money. I'm providing everything turnkey ready. I just need you to have that commitment. Me and my friend was discussing a lot of people are interested, but they're not committed. And so it's hard to find those like-minded individuals that, you know, they, it's just almost like it's too good to be true. I was talking to some other chefs and I'm like, this is what it's designed for. I plan on giving shares and equity. They was like, what's the catch? I'm like, there is no catch. I haven't asked you for anything. All I ask you to do is be committed to the cause. Mm. And a lot of people think it's a scam. So that's what I run into. But of course, you know, we've been scammed so much. It's hard for us to decipher what's real and what's not. That's scary, isn't it? It's scary to know that you have in your possession the real $100 bill, but nobody will, you know, take it because, you know, they've never seen one before. They don't know what to do with that $100 bill. And so they rather right. go they rather go with the $1 bill and be safe than to finally take the real $100 bill that they never had before. And it's like monkey see, monkey do. You know, I've offered it, you know, a lot in, in just in conversation, but it took one of my other counterparts, Chef Aline, for me, him to be the face front. And then I had some other chef, oh, okay, he with it, then I'm with it. But you had that opportunity when I offered it to you weeks and months ago, which again, I'm not opposed, but it's a shame that it took that. So a lot of people look, they need validation. And I'm okay with that, but I just think it's sad. 
So tell me more about Black Chef Network. What, what exactly is the vision? What is the purpose? And tell me a little bit more about it for those who don't know. On the hindsight end, yes, it is a platform for African-American and minorities. But one thing about us, our ideals are capital. The rest is money. And so using that tool with the food and beverage industry, we can also ultimately create our own capital. For example, if you needed a business uh, funding started up, let's just say you needed $5,000. There's nothing for us to throw together an activation or an event to raise that money to provide you capital for your vision and your goals. So it's kind of, it's one in one. It goes hand in hand with each other. Yes, we can provide events and whatnot, but however, this is a, a resource and a tool for you to raise money to provide your own capital because a lot of people, are un- they're not banked. They're unbanked. You can't go into the bank and ask for a loan because your credit is not where it's supposed to be. You don't have any assets that they can place liens on. So it's also a tool for us to raise money for our various ventures. Now, people are listening to this. Many people, they're hearing this and like, okay, it makes perfect sense. I'm with her. But there is a small group of people who may have stumbled across this podcast and they have no idea what capital means. What is capital and why am I raising it? Capital is money, basically. (laughs) And that's what you need to fund a lot of what you're wanting or trying to do. If you wanted to, you know, purchase a house and you don't have any credit, you don't have any assets or anything that you can take. But yet, however, they'll take your money if you got a sizable down payment. So if that's what you need, we'll help you to raise those financial gains to provide what it is that you need. And so in many ways, your network is uh, uh, facilitating opportunities uh, for people to raise capital. Uh, and basically start working towards the dreams that they have. Yes, sir. And reinventing their income. And I'll even touch on the cannabis uh, sector for an example. I'm talking with this young lady and partnering with her and doing cannabis dinners. But I'm very, you know, operating transparency. And so I told her, yeah, you know, I have the assets, but do I want to spend all of my own money? No. <laughs> So using that, she asked, well, what are you going to do with your money? I said, well, the proceeds I made, I'm going to take it and redevelop it and put it in a real estate. In the same industry, cannabis, but I'm going to create that and open bud and breakfasts off of what we raised by doing cannabis-infused dinners. And then so it was like a light bulb quick. She was like, oh, you can do that? I'm like, honey, it's your money. You can do whatever you want to do with it. But I would advise you to make wise decisions. <laughs> so let's, let's dive into that. Uh why why are so many people having that limitation mindset of wow i didn't know i could do that i didn't know that i can do whatever i want where is that where is that mindset coming from i believe it's coming from generational curses honestly talk and we me. have to learn how talk to break that so when you're dealing with generational curses it could be a plethora it's an actual curse or a hex you know it may could be your lifestyle It could be the way you eat. If you have a family that comes from a lot of health ailments and problems such as diabetes, congestive heart failure, whatnot, that lifestyle is taught and passed on to their kids. The mother, you know, the children have to eat what the parents provide. So if they have this continuous method of eating bad, you know, eating, I'm sorry, unhealthy eating habits, they're going to pass it on to their kids. But someone is going to have to break that quote unquote generational curse and decide, okay, hey, I don't want to eat like this anymore. I want to live. I don't want to have to be dedicated to these plethora of pharmaceuticals uh, where I have to take in order to survive. 
And like I said, it comes with a mindset. I was telling my friend, um, he has a son, but he's in the streets. And I'm like, at what point do you break this generational curse? Because if you look at it, your uncles was in the streets. Your dad was in the streets. Your grandfather was in the streets. At what point do you take it and advise? Yeah, again, it's ill-gotten goods. But how do you clean that up and flip it so that your children can have something? Because at this point, we have to work for our children's children's children and not just ourselves. So we could just transverse that and start thinking forwardly. I think it would disrupt a lot of things that are currently going on and in place within our communities. And some of those things that are happening in the streets, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it's the same skill sets that you would take to, you know, if you want to call it corporate or uh, your own business. It's the same skill sets as far as. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Your dedication. If you can be dedicated to get up, the hustle, to mix this, the whip this, this and that, you can do the same thing. It's all about your dedication and what the will that you have. Buy low, sell it's high. <laughs> Market exactly. Flipping it. Come on now. Branding, because you know you got to make sure people know. You got to brand yourself to know that this is you got the best and on, on the street. So, so it's the same thing. You yeah. just have to apply it to where it's legal, and you can still make, if not more, the same money, and not have to worry about looking over your shoulder. Why do you think? And you may not have this this answer, but I have to ask you: Why do you think people mm-hmm. are so addicted to doing the right thing the wrong way? Honestly, because I think it's fast money, honestly. Mm. And one thing about African American and minorities, one thing that I found, we don't like doing paperwork. Yeah. We don't want to have we don't want everybody knowing what we're doing. So we want to do something in secret. And that's to me, it's it's so much out there. And I I hear a lot of people say this. It's so much money out there. Yes, it is. But the thing a lot of people that I've run into that there's just why I don't do that, they withhold so much information. I'm like, information is free. And as far as I'm concerned, yes, there is a lot of money out there. But when it comes to me and mine, I'm going to give you that information freely. Whatever you do with it is up to you. But when it comes to other ethnicities and whatnot, oh, I'm going to compete for the check. <laughs> we, we, we will find more out about that, Courtney. We know you go all about the check. And we respect <laughs> that. But also about you, I guess I lied a little bit. You're not all about the check. You're also about uplifting your people. So where Absolutely. where does that come from, though? Because a lot of people aren't like you and I, where uh, it's, yeah, we are about the money. We're going we gonna to make sure we get this money. But also, I want to make sure my people are, 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 you know, seeing the future and where they're going and thinking legacy. What is it about you where that somehow got into your system where you're able to think that way? Honestly, because, again, it's it's just a lot out there. And again, with us doing the real estate classes and teaching that, I don't have to buy your block back. I'm not interested in owning real estate all across the United States. But if I could teach you to buy your block back, I'm helping you to secure your future and your children's future. Mm. And that's the thing. I don't have to have a whole pie. I could get a slice of it because I'm still going to be full by the time I leave the table anyway. Mm. And I think that comes with greed. A lot of people think they got to have it all, but fail to realize in order to do certain things, you need a team. You need a a group of solid individuals that have the same mindset and the same goals ultimately and surround yourself with those individuals because you have to have a team at its core. There's no way around it. And it doesn't have to be a big team. It can be just a few people uh, all working together for a common goal and a common vision. 
Absolutely. Because if I can take my resources and provide them with your resources, then you have someone else that you can provide to have their resources. That is a team. And that way we can cover more ground instead of us trying to do it by ourselves. But I just think it's just something about that mentality where we don't want to work with other people or we're afraid, oh, if I tell them this. And you're going to run into that ultimately because without, you know, failure, there is no success. And we are afraid of failing. Mm. But the success comes through the failing. Exactly. But some people can't see the river past the rain. <laughs> mm. I, failure is only success when you don't get back up. Right. If you take that L as a loss, then you you stop right there. But take that L as a lesson and learn from it. Because if you don't learn from your mistakes, it's going to keep repeating. So you have to ask yourself, what is this teaching me? Mm-hmm. Because a lot and of, if you constantly repeat it, you're not going anywhere. A lot of times it's that extra persistence to get past whatever that wall is you keep hitting. Because on the other side is your freedom. But for some strange reason, yeah. because that wall is there, you just, you know, you run back and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. But all, all you got to do is get past that one wall and you never have to look back ever again. Right. Because then you'll be able to recognize like, OK, hey, this is a mistake I made. I know I'm not going to make it. So now I'm going to create another way or avenue so I don't have to keep running into that roadblock. Exactly. So take me take me through some ideas that we could help somebody with. Uh, working with your company as far as putting on events, raising capital. You talked about, you know, uh, putting together a cannabis infused type of event. What are some other industries that you've worked with as far as putting events together and helping them raise capital? Uh, Real estate. That is one. Um, A lot of people think you have to have tens of thousands of dollars, but don't realize there are ultimate, you know, different ways in order to, you know, get real estate. You don't have to go buy a house that's on the market. You could go and purchase houses that are, you know, the state owns, back taxes. You can go to tax auctions. I have a friend of mine, and I will, I will introduce you to, you to her. She's a mega mogul. And when I was just talking to her, mind you, I was telling people about this for three years about the real estate. Like, yo, you come down here, get some property for a couple of hundred dollars. I, I'm advising you this, how you do it, you know, all the way from A to Z. Mm-hmm. But it took her after three years of preaching to come down and do it. And once her testimony was, yo, I got over 30 properties for less than 5,000 listening to Courtney. Now everybody want to do it. <laughs> so that's that monkey see, monkey do culture. I was like, yo, now the game is sold not to be told. So now I'm going to implement a class for you guys. Right. Because I gave this freely. <laughs> you know, I've seen and so on Twitter, they say, hey, if you, you know, if you give it for free, they won't value it. And I said, well, it depends on who you are, because a lot of the wisdom I get, I've never had to pay for. I just know that I trust the person that's given it to me. I'm not going to, you know, wait, you know, six months for that thing to be $5,000. If this person's giving me wisdom, I'm about to act on it now. And I'm telling you, like, this is how you get it for free. I'm like, you know, if you can get a proposal and I even tell people local because I can pay, I could be a politician as well. It's a dirty game, but I can play politics. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, meet go to your city council meeting meet who's in that ward look up the land bank look up your your county gis map find what the county owns they have a land bank find what the city owns they have a land bank your board of education has a land bank in every city there's a school that's not being used you can easily create you a 501c3 use that proposal to of course benefit the community to provide jobs workforce development different trades and they'll deed it to you 
Mm. It's called a kind deed. They'll give it to you for a dollar. So what you have done with the initiative that hoping to improve in other people's lives, because again, I tell anybody, I never make a million million dollars so I make someone else a million at first. If you got these tools, you now have equity. You have assets. You have real estate. Now you take that to the bank and go try to pull an equity line of credit. They'll give it to you with a credit score of 600 or less. Why? Because you have something they can attach. Again, if you default on your loan, they're going to take your building. But they have something that they can attach to. And you ain't paid on a dollar out your pocket. It's amazing what you can do uh, with the matrix once you actually embrace that the matrix is, matrix is there. It's like, okay, we're in the matrix. We, we know that people are, are doing, you know, these, these weird things behind the scenes. But the, the best part is you get to walk behind the scenes too. All you have to do is walk through the doors and say, hey, uh, we would like more information about this or how do we do this? And that person's going to be sitting right there and say, well, yeah, here, take it. Uh, but a lot of people yeah, it's money out doors. there. <laughs> Every uh, municipality, they have a, well, most municipalities, especially in the metro areas, they have a workforce development with mm-hmm. money that is just sitting there. Yeah. And I will use Atlanta for an example. The public Atlanta public city schools, they need the money. And guess what? Workforce development has it. But they can't give the money directly to the school system. It has to be that medium. But who's willing to sit up, do the paperwork, submit the proposals, and attend these meetings in order to get it? I'll do it. There's no reason. <laughs> I, we'll talk. <laughs> and I look, I hip you to it all. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's, it sounds easy. And honestly, it really is. We just have to be committed to do it. I don't need you. Oh, I'm interested. No, I need you committed. Because if I can give you all this from A to Z, if you don't apply it, and I always use this. If I tell you the first time, the conversation is free. I will even allow you a second conversation just so that if you missed a few things on the first one, I can reiterate it for you. But the third one, you wasted my time, and I'm going to send you an invoice. Because mm, when you got some sweat equity in the game and you don't put your money up, you're definitely going to do the work. And that's when you find out who's serious and who's not. And you know, the the approach you take is beautiful what i found is when we approach things the way that you're approaching them if this person goes on and they they do make a fifty thousand a hundred thousand or however they make off of a particular deal uh well guess what i'm gonna do with that at least this is how i operate i'm going to reinvest a part of that back into you and say hey let's go do an event together uh because since i'm getting my wisdom from you i want to put my my uh seed in good soil and so, and here's the thing with that, and I'm gonna be honest. And Chef Harper, I know he can vouch for it. Uh, we did some stuff, and we talked about it. He was like, "Okay, I'm gonna make sure you get this cut." I said, "I don't require that." Mm-hmm. He was like, "But no, Court, you know I'm gonna need." It. I said, "No, the only thing I require you to do is pay it forward. Mm. You help somebody else, how I just helped you. You ain't got to give it back to me because as long as you excel and I'm good, I know my job is done, and that's how I sleep at night." Because it's going to come back to you either way. It may not come from Ultimately, it will. It, ultimately, yeah. it, it will either way. But I asked if you had that, we did something, you made something, okay, Courtney, I'm going to get his ticket. Nah, bro. Pay it forward. Right. Because we're better and we're stronger as a community, as a collective. I'll, you ain't got to give it back to me. But you go help this other individual. So guess what? You don't help him become a millionaire. He's going to reinvest it back to what you're doing. Mm, very beautiful. Very beautiful way of looking at life. And it's really true. It's not just words. I've literally seen if you help people magically, all kinds of help will come to you. And it may not come from the same source that you help, but you can always, as long as you're in that receiving mode and that giving mode, 
as one thing goes out, something else comes in. Absolutely. So we talked about, you know, putting events on uh, to possibly raise capital for real estate. What are some other industries that we can uh, discuss? It's happened to international trade and commodities. Okay, let's do it. Well, tell me more. So let's talk. Let's talk about that. So again, putting on an event. I know we talked about this. Uh, we're going to be doing a retreat in okay. Grenada. Yeah. And then, of course, that's is the spice capital. So of course, that's going to be geared to individuals that want to create their own spice line. Okay. Now, ultimately, you have created them a platform where they are actually able to travel to have work. You know, be work business and pleasure. You're connecting them directly to the vendors, but guess what you make as the organizer? You make money oh, based off organizing the retreat. I get the, oh, yes, I get sir. The money out of this? Yes. Oh, okay. Tell me more. <laughs> <Keep going. Is> it... <laughs> so when you put together retreats, and of course you see a lot of people doing it because it is profitable. Yeah. Um, and of course you just set your pricing to where, but you're making sure they get everything that they need. And it's not just, okay, hey, we out here for vacation. Yes, we're going to have some sun and, you know, fun in the sun. But I'm going to connect you with these vendors. You go ahead and buy these spices in bulk. And while we're at this retreat, at this villa or mansion, wherever we decide to stay, you're helping you with your branding, with your marketing. So by the time you leave, you know, you have a full-fledged business. Mm. And it's going to cost you less than $2,000. And that includes your lodging. Say that again. And your food. Say that again. <laughs> so are you willing to invest that where you can go and purchase, uh, make your purchases and connect with your vendors for your own spice line and buy and book? You're doing it all in one trip. And if you choose to go back, you know, once you're on your own, you have those connections. And the connection. And that's just, is- that's one just with the spice market. That's what's connecting with those vendors going to the spice market to see where you purchase it here. A little small, what, four ounce thing of nutmeg, probably going to bust your head about four or five dollars. Mm-hmm. But if you go in there and getting it for 75 cents and a dollar, you buy it in bulk and you repackage it. Good but con- that's international trade and commodities. Mm. The the connections are more valuable than the return on investment money wise, because now Absolutely. you have that connection for life. Mm-hmm. How important a direct connect. So you don't need a middleman. You're going straight to the farmers. It's very important to collect, especially with the locals, because you're not only you're stimulating their economy, you're providing food for them. How and that respect goes a long way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. How important are relationships when, when the things uh, that you're doing? Tell me about that because that's what I'm hearing. Very important. Did you hear me? Because I don't think at the end of the day, if you don't have nothing else, you have your name. Mm. And if you out there doing bad business, people ain't gonna. You almost cursed. I'm trying to keep it <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> people ain't gonna mess with you. Yeah. They not because I'm like your name is bad in these streets. So when you have your name, like I say, is all you got. That's your integrity. That's where that comes in at your character, your morals. So when you're building relationships, it has to be on good solid ground. If you mention my name and you won't probably hear anything, I say probably unless you got a hater. But I'm very transparent. I put everything I done did out. I put a mm-hmm. whole thirty point reference. Yep, I done did this, 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 and that. So if anybody tell you anything otherwise, it's a lie. Right. And I'm 420 friendly. I tell people that all the time. So y'all not going to Martha Stewart me. If I ever get arrested, more than likely it would be for possession. (laughs) But you knew that already going into the business. (laughs) Right. You knew that already. So I don't want to hear no, oh, mm, mm." I gave that disclaimer. Try something else. You ain't taking nothing from me. Right. So it's about being honesty and transparency because when you're building these relationships, that's what people want. 
Because again, we done been raked over the coals. We done, even me, I done been scammed by helping people and doing some other stuff, making bad investments in the mm-hmm. people. But it's, again, it's a lesson. You can't pay me to do it no more. Right. Because now you have to put in some sweat equity. I don't learn my lesson. I ain't coughing up nothing. <laughs> you know, I, it, it, it is a beautiful conversation to have where we're talking about integrity and character and morals. Because for some odd reason, uh, there's a, a sector of our culture and other cultures that they, they don't value that. And whenever you start talking mm-hmm. about these things, they, they kind of start rolling their eyes. They're just like, I'm all about the bag, you know, whatever it takes by any means necessary. And I do love Malcolm X, but I don't think he meant it in, in that in that way. And so it's beautiful to hear you talking about integrity and character, um, you know, with, with what you're saying. Yeah, because that's when no one else is looking. Your integrity, like character, that's who everybody sees, but your integrity when no one else is looking, how do you operate behind closed doors? Because That's what's important to me. <laughs> ultimately, what you put out, no matter what, is always going to come back to you. Whether good or bad, and that's right. karma. You depend on how it's going to hit you <laughs> based on the seeds that you sow. Yes. Mm-mm-mm. So it's very, very well put. Uh, so real estate. Uh, uh, you talked about uh, international trade, commodities. What else are we looking oh, at? You can look into agriculture. He who controls food controls the world. I have a business partner. We have a great relationship. He does aquaponics and hydroponics. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that we're getting into as well because if, this is a little more in depth and more in depth. Mm-hmm. But Monsanto is a company that owns 98% of seed companies globally, which was recently acquired by Bayer Pharmaceuticals. So now you have the the pharmaceutical industry who give us our medicines to try to, quote unquote, keep us well, is now in charge of the seeds and what we consume that we eat on a daily basis. Kind of scary. So if very scary. And it's an agrochemical company. Mm. And so you will wonder, like, okay, this merger doesn't make sense to me, but ultimately it does. And what I've done over my spiritual journey in these past couple of years, I had to study the system. And ultimately, with the conclusion, it's not broken. It's just not meant for us. Say that again. Period. The system is not broken. It is working perfectly. It's just not working for us because it was never meant for us. You had to study what now? Say that one more time so people can hear that. I had to study the the system. Mm. And when I say the system, that's everything from our banking and financing industry to our agriculture industry, to your trade and commodities, learning the stock market, learning all of that. One of the books that was really an eye-opener for me was Behold a Pale Horse. Say that one more time. And I, Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper. I advise anybody to read that and that will give you a better understanding of this system. And then you will understand like, hey, it's been operating for hundreds of years perfectly. All of this is by design. And as you were studying the system, what what are some of the things you found? I found that ultimately it's not meant for us, Mm. African-Americans and minorities, because we don't have anything. Mm -hmm. Some do, but, you know, that's when you get into the 1%. But ultimately, this is a tax, honestly, on middle class America, which is majority comprised of African-Americans. They want to get rid of middle class. They want to get the rich, rich and the poor, poor. So either you're going to be up there or you're going to be down there. But this in-between, I'll take this for an example. Look at the education. Before they did segregation, tuition at Harvard was roughly about $1,600. Mm. 
But now that we're allowed to go into your schools, you're just going to set another roadblock and make it more expensive for us to attend. But that's cool. You know, so now that we have made money, we done got jobs. Now we can attend these universities. You make it even more expensive. So what happens? We overcome that hurdle. And so now we're making the money to go to Yale and Harvard. So what do they do now? When you graduate, you now have to have three years of experience before you get an entry level job. Who's teaching our kids at freshman year that they need to have a job so they can have that on their resume so they can, they can get a job in their fields? Education is important, but I tell anybody that piece of paper means you are capable of learning something. That's it. I'm self-taught. I didn't go to a university or school, probably because mm-hmm. I got ADD, but <laughs> it's just it's not meant for me and it's not meant for everyone. Do I want a doctor operating on me that didn't go to school? Of course not. I think one of my we have- one of my favorite books is um, by Robert Kiyosaki, and it's called uh, "Why uh, A Students Work for C Students," and it was an eye opener. And basically, throughout the book, he's telling you, "Yeah, you know, you're an A student, you're really great at school, and all that." But while you were doing that, the C student was in the back of the class creating a new reality. You know, whether that be somebody who was in the hip hop uh, and, and is writing, you know, new, you know, new raps or, you know, putting together the, the parties at the school. They're creating realities right there in front of you uh, in, in your school. But, you, you know, you're, you know, you're an A student. You're in front of the class and you're doing exactly what they tell you to do. But really, the, the real thing that's happening in high school and college are the people who are creating realities for people. And I can tell, I'm not, I'm not trying to call you a C student, uh, but I can tell you and I are people who create realities uh, for people mm-hmm. while everybody else is trying to, you know, do the right thing. Uh, sometimes what you have to do is break the system and create a new one. That's right. Or create your own, ultimately. Right. I agree. Wow. I mean, this is, um, I mean, you're hitting me with a lot here. Um, <laughs> good <laughs> but, but when did you I guess what I'm trying to understand I'm, I mean I'm glad you are who you are but how did you become who you are like how did you morph into this person who's un- understanding you know how this game works when, when, you, when you decided to go on your spiritual journey maybe that's the question what prompted you to say let me go on my spiritual journey and learn this thing now, let me be very clear. I identify as a Hebrew Israelite, oh, not a Christian. Talk that and, talk. And my... <laughs> talk that talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so my parents are pastors. And so even I'm like the black sheet of the family. And so it took a lot of separation for understanding that, you know, Hebrew Israelites, it's not a religion, it's a culture. And we had this conversation. I would say it's more of a debate with my parents because I even tell them the one that you model and look after, Jesus Christ, he wasn't even a Christian. Right, And so if we can get past the divide and conquer tactics, we can understand and learn better. You can actually overstand. And so when I was in the DR, you know, I was just taking me a vacation. And long story short, we was going to do this excursion where they allow us to parasail. You know, you could use the the kayaks. But one of their rules and regulations where you had to have a T-shirt that once you put the life jacket on, it wasn't no skin contact. So it was a long way from our uh, the where we were staying to the actual excursion location. I'm like, bro, I got to walk all the way back. (laughs) He was like, yep. So we walked back, got the shirts, whatever. And and as I'm approaching him, it was a little young Caucasian kid. 
probably every bit of eight, nine years old. And the gentleman was explaining to him as well, just as he explained to us that, you know, this is, this is the rules and regulations. And when I say this boy called him every derogatory name that you could think of, I jacked that little boy up. <laughs> I was like, hold up, don't you ever. My friend was like, girl, don't do that. I said, they ain't got DHR down here. <laughs> right. And so, you know, he went off crying about his way. And so they just, and I just stopped. And I just started looking around at how they were just so attentive to all of these people. And I'm like, you know what? This ain't nothing but a modern day slave plantation. Mm. So our dedicated butler, Leo, I asked him, I'm like, Leo, I just, you know, I got a few questions if you don't mind answering. He was like, you know, yeah, go ahead. I was like, how much do you make down here? He said, in equivalent to your money, U.S. dollars, we make $250 a month. I said, come again? Mm. And when I tell you this guy waited us on hand and foot if we need anything, golf carts, he brought, he laid out because it was my birthday. You know, he laid out. We came back in the room, balloons. He did all this on his own. And I told him at that point, I said, don't you wait on us no more. Mm. period i said if we need anything we'll walk to get it we'll call somebody no don't wait on us no more and before i left i remember going to the atm and i took out 250 i was like i gave him his month's salary as a tip i'm like here you go bro and it's not a lot you know we think about it this side but it meant the world to him and when we went back that following year oh he remembered us <laughs> oh yeah i'm sorry he was, he was sitting at the airport uh waiting on the dock he had, oh, we had he a had good a time. Up. And I told him the rules still apply. Like, mm-mm, don't wait on us. Yeah. I was like, we got it. But seeing that, and I'm like, okay, what is it? And so immediately I got back, started, you know, YouTube and on some stuff. And I clicked on the video. Mm-hmm. And I make sure if I'm, I used to get up like two or three o'clock every morning just by habit. And I clicked on one video, but the video that played was not the one that I clicked on. Because mm. I was like, I didn't click on this. I'm not going to watch no hour and 30 minute video. Right. <laughs> but it caught me in the first 10 minutes and I finished watching it. And so that took me to Exodus 28. I mean, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 28 about the generational curses. And I realized, I'm like, you know what? This is us. Like, hold up. <laughs> And so I started reading backwards because, again, mind you, my parents are pastors. My grandparents are pastors. I mean, I know that Bible from Genesis to the maps. Mm-hmm. But looking at it with a fresh set of eyes now, I started understanding a whole lot more. The same scriptures that I've read over and over. And again, I'm not religious by no means, but I'm very spiritual. So when I started understanding and believe it or not, the Bible is a history book and a good reference book by by means as well. But there's so much jewels in that you can take from and apply it to what's current. And so going through that, I'm like, okay, these are these generational curses. Yes, our time is up. You see a lot of people talking about the diaspora, 400 years, you know, the year of the return. And I'm just like, you know what? This is it's encoded. I look at the Bible like the Da Vinci Code. And so started taking that, and I'm like, okay, this is what I got to do to, you know, help our people, to wake them up, to get them out of this bondage and slavery. Because Revelation, a lot of people think of it, thinks it talks about a rapture. But I'm like, no, it's telling you about this eco- this economic <clears throat> game we play and how our economy is going to collapse. Mm. How there will be, you can't buy, trade, or sell one world currency. Mm. And you can debate it all you want to, but if you look, at our since our since the US of A has been incorporated by if anybody should know this by now, the United States of America is a corporation, it's not a country. Right. And we are the commodities for this country for them to buy, trade, or sell. 
But if you look at other countries that we've been at war with, definitely over the past 20 years, those were the last countries that had their own central bank. Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, all of them had their own central bank. And so we can separate ourselves from what they're feeding us in the media. You know, because a lot of the I started media reading is more about, Oh, absolutely. I started reading more about Gaddafi. It's like, bro, they, he was about to introduce the African the, the dinar. Africa was going to have its own currency. A lot of people think Africa needs saving, mm. but they've been doing the saving all along. And so that's why I definitely think, and we're on this international tip where it's time to bridge the international gap and put our differences aside. Yes, there's a prejudice, a, a unforeseen and seen prejudice when you're dealing with Africans that are actually African, African-Americans. I don't even classify myself as that, but there's this gap. And we got to bridge that international gap because a lot of us have the wherewithal and the ingenuity of the American mind to advise them. Like I've literally been on four or five conversations from those from Rwanda, those from Tanzania, those from the DR of Congo. They have land. It was like, I'm willing to sell my land. And I'm on the phone like, bruh, I'll give you land if you help. I'm like, listen, hold up, player. I'm going to tell you right now, don't sell nothing and don't give up nothing. That's yours. And if you got gold on that, you need to be uh, digging that up your dang on self. Right. <laughs> I was like, because at the end, ultimately the U.S., we ain't got that much gold Mm-mm. to back our currency. And we are long overdue for a recession. Oh, yeah. History has a thing, a way of repeating itself. There's nothing new under the sun. Why do you and think people... Can... Why do you think people are scared to invest in Africa? We we before you answer that, we had an episode where we spoke with a company uh, that is innovating for Africa, uh, and I know you and I spoke about uh, you know uh, investing and being part of uh, the overall global markets. But why do you think so many people are afraid uh, to invest in Africa? Why is that gap there, in your opinion? that's a loaded question um for one you know there's this yeah (laughs) there's this i don't know this stigma that you know because i've been told don't don't mess with nigerians they'll scam you yeah that may be true but if you you know you know that you know what you know you're not gonna run into that right a lot lot of people who scared ain't even got passports so first of all let's start there do you even have a passport Right. Why are you talking about why you won't invest? Because right. you can't even get there anyway. <laughs> and so I just think that, you know, because other people's horror stories, that makes people a little bit more leery. But again, I tell people like in certain African countries and cities that look way better than our U.S. cities here. But right. you're so focused on what they show you on your tell tell I see your vision. Mm. That all of these people are just poor and just destitute. There are some rural areas that are underdeveloped, but a lot of these people, they got more money than all of us combined. What you mean? The oil that you need, the gold that you need, all the minerals and limestone, it comes from them anyway. They're rich. I'm sorry, let me take that back. They're wealthy. They're not rich, though. Talk that talk. There is a difference. Now, let's break that down because you just stumbled across something. What is the difference? (laughs) I was on the phone with a young lady. I'm t- I was on the phone with a young lady. When she dropped that, I said, you know what, baby girl, that's a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. They said the wealthy is quiet, the rich is loud, and the poor is flashy. Mm-hmm. I love Bill it. Gates, yeah, Warren Buffett, they're quiet. 
you don't see them but you, uh, Warren Buffett has his, his live in the same house his, his very first house he still lives there drives the same car mm-hmm. he's wealthy you don't see him with that but then you got those who are rich and no no shade but look at Steve Harvey mm-hmm. his suits and all of that he's loud he's rich but he's loud it's the money but game then look at not the, the integrity mm-hmm. game right Mm-mm. It's the money game. So mm-hmm. look at the ones who are quote unquote poor. They flashy. They'll spend all of their money to look like they got money. That's some of your daily uh, rappers that you that you exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't, like some of them say you don't even own your masters, bro. Right. Your distribution deal is so upside down. You got a three sixty. <laughs> you ain't getting. You ain't getting but a a crumb out of the whole deal. That's why I never understood, like, even, I mean, no, I'm not knocking anybody to each his own, but when I see those from was the quality control, you get to these folks with $500,000 cars? Mm-hmm. Like, bruh, I got a decommissioned army base over here where I live in my hometown. Y'all put a million, a million, y'all could own all of that. Yep. All, it was, at one point, it was 10,000 acres. I never understood. <laughs> I never understood athletes and, and rappers. Um, you know, they all these chains and and unnecessary cars. It's like, wow! If you did come up with uh, the necessary funds, like you're saying, we could really put that to way better use and have something that's way much better use. Come on now. Y'all can go by line, go by land in the middle of nowhere. I'm gonna use it for an- another example because when I go to these uh, Caribbean islands, especially, I used to go off the compound. That's when they say you lead a resort. And on one excursion, we had the little dune buggies ride, and they took us through. But we passed this one place. Um, it was a. It used to be an excursion, but for whatever reason, it closed down. Mm-hmm. So at, on our way back. I seen this Remax sign. I said, oh, they got Remax here. So somebody speaks English. <laughs> right, right. And so I called the realtor and he was like, yeah, I can take you a tour of some properties here, you know, here and there, you know, a couple of places. We came across a 40 acre. It was almost 40, 40 acres, 39.22 acres. It had four living quarters on there. Two streams it was 14 kilometers from the beach, already producing coca, tobacco, vanilla, I think two other crops. $86,000. Now, I didn't have it to just put down, hey, I want this property. But of course, I went to some other folks like, hey, we can all put in 20, you know, 25. Let's get this. Because mm-hmm. my sister, you know, she at the time she was doing, she lived both stateside and in Kuwait. She was like, Courtney, do you know how much a, a vanilla bean stock costs here? I was like, no. She was like, $12. I'm like, for one? I was mm. like, and they growing this over here like, weeds? <laughs> right. But couldn't get nobody with the same like minds at the time to do that. Mm. So if you got, you, y'all spending all this money on flashy cars and stuff, take a, a fraction of that and go buy some land here. Or again, you're getting into international trade and commodities. You're getting into imports and exports where you can ship. But at the same time, you are helping those individuals there. And I don't mean paying them no meager wages. You know, um, one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of times, not a lot of times, really most of the times, the best investment is made on the buy, not the sell. And mm-hmm. so if we if we're getting that property and maybe no one's even noticing the value of the vanilla or the different crops that may be in that backyard off to the side somewhere, 
if somebody doesn't notice that, you know, and it's a really great deal, imagine how much immediate wealth that you create uh, by getting that deal, not just on the property, but under, but having uh, a vision. And that's, that's and you why know, I'm going to explain it. So I'm going to break it down. I'm like, yo, we could actually make our own process, our own coffee. But and I'm I'm connecting the dots for them. I'm like, you have, of course, in the United States, um, business and corporations, they get a tax incentive for doing business with MBEs and DBEs. Mm-hmm. Delta has a tier one program for minorities specifically. I'm, and, but you have to meet a, a certain quota. If I'm not mistaken, it's a million volume per month. But I'm like, yo, you already have buyers and suppliers here. We just got to do the work. Put right. a little bit of our coins up and get it. There's money in it. Of course, again, people can't see the river past the rain, and that's all right. Because I'm getting mines together, so I go ahead and make this acquisition and go ahead and get it. Because then again, you build it, they'll come. That's true. So I've learned, I've lost a lot of business initiatives that, and I have some friends that could vouch for this. I tried to get a couple of them so we could put up 50 together because I wanted to do, I forgot what they call it, flyboarding. Mm-hmm. That's an excursion. When I say there at the time, there was only two locations in the United States that had them. Hardly any of the islands had, I was offering this excursion. Now they everywhere though. Right. But that was a million dollar business enterprise that we could have took a minimum investment of fifty thousand dollars and got it. Yeah, and then a- as it becomes a bigger uh, demand, <laughs> you can you can sell the business or you can keep it either way. Have that cash flow exactly. or go ahead and sell that asset. And I've always been ahead of the trend, even for microblading. And this was a bad investment, and I don't care because I told her that to her face, my cousin. I was like, "Girl, you was a bad investment." I called her something else though, but I was like, mm, "You're a bad investment." I sent her, uh, it was only, it was only maybe six instructors in the United States doing microblading. Hmm. That's where they tattoo your eyebrows. I sent her, paid her flight, paid for the course, paid for the hotel, sent her over there to learn this trade. This bitch ain't microbladed, not one eyebrow. You hear me? <laughs> so it, it wasn't the bad just, investment in the actual microblade. It was, it was in the person. Okay. Well, <laughs> There you go. And I just, I was like, and I offered her before I said, you know what, I could send my niece, I could send somebody else, I could get somebody to do it because they charge $500 right now. Girl, if you did so much, and I just told her, this is the split. We're going to do a, a 50 50 split. And I said, and it was, I had her, and we had a contract. I said, for two years. I said, but I'm going to give you a one year option. I said, if you decide, because within these two years and this 50 50, I would be responsible for the insurance. Are we responsible for all your, you know, your materials, everything that you need? Again, offering stuff and too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. When I say she ain't a microblade and nothing, I even the one year option. I told her if you want to do it on your own, we could do a 60-40. Well, I get 40, you get 60, but you will be responsible for your insurance and be able to operate. She oh, she was with it then, but I think she just had a good trip in Cali and right. LA and she just had a good time at my dime. Right, but right, and right. I even when I see her, it was thinking about. It, I was like, "Oh, you bad at this." <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to set you up to make money, yeah. and so you know, well, it's me because it's all about that residual for me anyway. Right, but that's just another prime example. But always being knowledgeable and researching new trends and being ahead of the curve so that we can offer those. And that's a lot of something we don't normally get it or find out about it till two, three years after the fact. And I think and that we could be proactive to just look at those opportunities, what's being offered. We can get in on the ground. We'll be the gatekeepers. We can hold a key to that. 
and I I think people like you and I have been appointed to be able to see uh, those opportunities and then, you know, present them to the world, present them to our culture. And then whoever takes, Mm -hmm. you know, takes the opportunity, great. And who doesn't, you know, hey, it is what it is. Maybe you'll catch us on the next one. Um, And I think this podcast will also serve as that, too. I think as people are listening to this episode, there's going to be a lot of nuggets in here and people are either going to pick them up or they're going to miss up, miss them all together. And uh, all we can do is continue, you know, being ahead of the curve and offering this information to them. Absolutely. Are we going to put these retreats together? I've already been asked to come to Rwanda, um, Nigeria. That was most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically, you know, got the PR team already there. You know, going to have the delegates. <laughs> but we're going to put that together for 2020. I also got some other ones for the chefs as well. And I'll go ahead and just say, just to be honest, they hear they're probably more have an incentive to come. <laughs> but uh, while we're there, for an example, you know, again, we're going to have a good time, but y'all going to have to put some work in. And so I was telling my other chef, he's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, for one, we're going to all collectively come. Each chef is going to be responsible for contributing two recipes to the, the rest of the cookbook. Mm. He was like, well, what you going to do with that? I said, you got so many followers. This one got so many followers. Each one of y'all sold 10, and then you get a dollar for each purchase. I mm. said, but if this one sold 10,000, bro, you just made 10,000. Right, right. I said, if you this one make it, you just made it. I said, I'm providing y'all a source. I'm going to teach you, educate you, inspire you. But us, when we gonna, I'm going to empower you. And so what I'm going to do at the end of the retreat, each one of them get a certain amount of shares. I'm just debating on whether it's going to be 100, 500, or 1,000 shares of the company. I'm still praying on that. Right. But for those who attend these retreats, they're going to get shares of the company. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. For people who are listening to this and they want to figure out a way to work with you, figure out a way to collaborate, uh, even just learn how to have an enterprising mind, because uh, basically you walk into a room and you see value. And I think I think that's I think that's how we really connected when we first started talking It's just we can just see value in things. And so for those who are trying to help see that value or have someone kind of guide them, how do they work with you? How do they partner with you? What does that look like for you? Just because of the type of person I am, you know, somebody can call me, hey, I got an idea for this. Oh, I'm going to hit you with a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, honey, have you tried this? You can do this. You can do that. That's on the house. That's free. Mm-hmm. But now if you want to work with me, we just have to sit down. We're going to have a conversation of what it looks like because I'm all about transparency. We're going to get all of this groundwork laid out first. What am I responsible for? What are you responsible for? And I always ask, what is your end goal? I ask that first. Because I always found myself, I like to work backwards. Mm. And my friends, of course, they tell me, girl, you overwhelm me. I said, no, I know you need to tell me what it is that your Z point. Right. I'll fill in everything you need to do from there. Now, yeah, it may be a three to five year plan. I don't expect you to do this all in 30 days. I said, but if I can see your end goal, I can set you up something. That's what I call myself a solution is providing solutions. It's not a problem that I've ran into that I couldn't provide some type of solution for it. Mm. and it's just about having that mind and some people you know are blessed with that and again again that may just be my calling and I'm okay with that yeah I mean that's uh, that's what makes but you it, honestly it starts with a conversation to other when it comes to me is to be able to that's see it. that be able to plan that out and then execute that that's very valuable asset to have skill set to have 
and I and I even I tell them like I give you my resources. I'm gonna connect you with this person. You know, you talk to this person, and you could go here. This person. They're just like, oh, some people follow through, some don't. At the end of the day, like I said, that first conversation is on the house. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it all starts with a conversation with me. Honestly, I just need to see where you're going, and you know, if it's some shady stuff, I will tell you then. I can't rock <laughs> with you. Okay, so how do people I'm have not gonna that? do five to ten for nobody? Well, I feel you. How do people have that conversation with you? Uh, if they, they can email me. Okay. Yeah, they can definitely email me. Um, you can send me a DM. Um, you know, just get in contact with me, and I think uh, email and uh, social media is the best way to initially start that conversation. Dope. Okay, so we, we've 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 blessed the culture with a lot of wisdom today. But I do want to see if, if anything that's currently going on uh, within pop culture has any interest to you. Uh, any interest to speak about this Harriet Tubman movie? Any thoughts? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But one thing about movies like that, though, mm-hmm. honestly, I think we as a people suffer from PTSD. Because when I watch certain stuff like that, I be wanting to go slap the first mm, person <laughs> I see. Right. <laughs> So I, ch- I I am going to watch it just to support the young lady in the movement or whatnot. And I even tell my daughter I want I'm interested in her seeing against my mother's objections because I want her to know. Right. And even when she comes in with her homework, you know, Mom, it's Columbus Day, girl. He ain't find nothing. He stole the <laughs> land. He did this, 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 and that. I said, but if they ask you on a test, you gonna answer this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna hit you to the truth. <laughs> And so, like, those type, it triggers something in me. It really does. And it it pisses me off all over again. Um, I know the history. I've read up on Miss Tubman. Do I have to see it in a movie? No, but I'm going to support the young lady who starred in it. But, whew, that type stuff, like I say, it triggers something. I I think we all suffer from PTSD as a culture, especially when you watch stuff on social media. You see our young Black men and women being abused by, you know, the hands of police officers and those are in power. Mm Mm-hmm. I always say that could be me and I've never been put in that position. But then again, I still will say that couldn't be me. Right. Right. Because I'm going to put hands on you. You touch me or my, it's going to be smoke in the city. I'm liable to come and set fire to the police department. Like don't play with me and mine. I'm I'm wired a whole lot differently. You have a lot (laughs) of a a Harriet Tubman spirit in you. You are a a modern day Harriet Tubman. If we, if we had to compare, I can definitely see if that. I, and if I had to compare, oh, it's Nat Turner. Okay. <laughs> so full blast. A full, a full throttle. Yeah, I don't blame you. Okay, uh, one more thing that's going on in pop culture. You can speak on it or not. Uh, T.I. is talking about uh, going to the doctor's office with his daughter and the hymen and uh, making sure that she's not having sex. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, if, if you were able to come across that? I did. I, I did see it. And I heard snippets on social media. And my thoughts to that ultimately, you know, that man runs this household how he runs it. Mm-hmm. I just hope and pray he's not in the room while she's in the stirrups. Right, because right. that would be a little uncomfortable. But if he just want to assure that, you know, his daughter remains a virgin and you can't honestly scientifically do that by the breaking of the hymen, so to speak. But Again, I, I I stay in my own lane, uh, but I just hope and pray that he's not in the room yeah, <laughs> as that goes on. But right. yeah, like don't go too far. I understand as a father, she's a beautiful young lady. You want to make sure her innocence stays intact. But my question was honestly in the back of my head: so what if she wasn't? Right. What, what the, you what gonna do then? then? What happens then? That's exactly the same. <laughs> so thing that's just a lingering question. Like, okay, so what if she's not? Then yeah. what? 
Well, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, what? And so, yeah, that's that's exactly my my thoughts too. It's like, okay, and if you find out she wasn't a virgin, then what? You know, but um, my daughter, because I have a daughter, she's eight now. Mm-hmm. If I had, if I'm single, but if I had a husband or her father, I wouldn't allow it. And that's just like they say, it's for me and my house mm-hmm. that ain't going down. Yeah. I'll go in the room. And if you want to sit in the waiting room and wait for the results, by all means. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I, re- I respect it. And, you know, I, the thing for me is I always like to have an open mind. So when this information came out and everybody was just like, well, you know, this is just the way I feel. I don't care what anybody else has to say about it. You know, everybody's like, you know, I don't, I don't like what he's doing. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. It's like, well, can we at least you know, have a conversation and listen to different perspectives. And a lot of people right. don't even want to do that now. You know, everybody's kind of... Well, Everybody an has an opinion. That is what mm-hmm. it is. And it's like, well, how are we ever going to grow if we can't have, uh, take this opportunity to have an open discussion about, you know, how we've been treated. I remember growing up and there were, you know, people in the neighborhood that, I mean, I, I don't know if it was this, you know, this far, but they would say, hey, I'll go get you tested and make sure that you're still a virgin. I didn't know what that test was, uh, but I guess they were kind of alluding to, you know, the same type of thing that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tell people, yeah, opinions, like I say, they're like assholes. Everybody have one. Right. But if there's a fine line, and that's where I separate myself. I could have my opinion, but I would never be judgmental. Right, 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 right. I agree. I don't. I, agree. I that's one thing I don't. It's not in my position to judge, and anybody to say like, Courtney, you just so understanding. No, I'm not going to judge you. That's all. I mean, because everybody has their own story and why you got there. That's why I love to meet people where they are, yeah, that's and your, we can still vibe. But I just it's when people dream. become judgmental. Yes, that's and that's where world. we need to draw the line. Yeah, and not being disrespectful right. in your opinion. Right, right, and, and uh, yeah, we learned so much from you today. I have a feeling that we're probably going to have to have another episode in the future, um, you know, dropping more knowledge um, on people. Because I, I feel like that spiritual conversation is going to be something that we should revisit more. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah, I think we really got to we got to we have to dive into that. But I thank you for coming on the Black Equity Podcast. And thank you for having me. You're very welcome. We're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to give me all the game on that real estate tip. So I can figure out how to get me a couple uh, properties for a dollar or two. Uh, That that part. Yes. Sooner or later, every company needs an international strategy. No matter who you are or what you're doing, it's time to think global. This episode serves as documentation and as a reminder that thinking global is a necessity. Thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. I am inviting you to join the exclusive Sip and Share Wine Club, which offers monthly and quarterly memberships available, deliveries of two, four, or six bottles of sweet, dry, or both wines right to your door at a 10% discount. Only 100 monthly members accept it. Begin enjoying all the privileges and benefits that go along with belonging to the club. There is no fee to join. You only pay the cost of your wine plus tax and shipping. Two wines is $38 plus tax and shipping. Four wines is $76 plus tax and shipping. And six wines is $114 plus taxes and shipping. Once again, join the Sip and Share Wine Club. This is your invite. 
Only 100 monthly members accepted.